It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. It's Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for tuning in this morning and joining me. Air quality. Not something we talk a lot about in the Midwest, but maybe a harbinger of things we're going to talk about. Salt Lake City, where I was this past week, experienced the worst air quality in the world. Not in America, not in Utah, not in the West. But the entire world, one day last week, imagine that, the city of powder snow, blue skies, you know, all the brochures, everything about Utah is crystal clear skies, and they had the worst air quality in the world. That air quality in Salt Lake, because we're east of it, comes right across the Great Plains and dissipates over much of America. Why would I be talking about Salt Lake City and air quality when we're all sitting here in nice, beautiful Chicago? Because what's happening is the result of two events, both of which look like they're going to be with us for quite a while, and neither of which has anything to do with combustion engines or man-made pollution. The first is fires. As we all know, the fires in the West have been just awful this year. And the smoke from the fires, we've had them in Chicago. You've had terrible smoke up in northern Minnesota, if you're listening, uh, in Toronto and in the East Coast, awful smoke from the fires billowing out of California and in a large extent, and then also out of Oregon and Washington to a lesser extent. So smoke was part of the reason. The other part of the reason is that the Great Salt Lake has reached its lowest water levels in recorded history. The lake ordinarily would be something like 18,000 square miles in size. It's less than 9,000 square miles in size now. The drop in water is, I guess, it's hard to know entirely, but we're in the the 11 to 12 foot area. The lake, 9,000 square miles of water is still a lot, but not when you're supposed to have 18,000 square feet square miles of water. So the drying up of the Great Salt Lake has exposed all kinds of salt flats that blow in the wind, very, very fine dust. And by the way, these fine dust particles are loaded with chemicals. This is not pristine mud that might crack up and not blow away. This is salt particles and and, and little dust particles that are filled with with stuff you don't want to breathe. The Great Salt Lake has also been a major industrial mining area uh, almost since settlement, not only for salt, but also for other minerals. So the air quality in the Great Salt Lake region up against the Wasatch region, all of Utah has just been awful and now was the worst in the world. The reason I say this is something we need to pay attention to is, as I've spoken a lot about for years, the forest fires that are ever increasing look like they're going to be ever-increasing 
because of what has been such terrible forest management for so long. And the drought that is gripping the West, even if the drought goes away, the chances of the Great Salt Lake rising precipitously are somewhat slim because of the amount of water that's being taken out of the Great Salt Lake for urban development, agricultural purposes, mining purposes. And so it's, it's a situation that I think is going to continue. And if it continues there, it will affect the air quality across a pretty large swath of the heartland of America, including us here in Chicago. So America, we had the worst air quality city in the world. And we think of things like Beijing and Shanghai and areas like that, which then brings me to a great headline. China, it was in the Wall Street Journal recently. China plays the climate card. And as you know, I, I don't talk about one side or the other of global warming or climate change. I feel my, ro- my role here as the host of the Great Outdoors show is, is just to provide information. You're all smart. You can make up your own minds what you want to believe. I don't, I've never have given you an opinion one way or the other on this, simply providing information. And I thought this was a heck of a headline. China plays the climate card. Senator John, John Kerry pleads with Beijing, collide, pleading with Beijing collides with great power rivalry. Basically, the subheadline is China has this over a barrel. Uh, it's been, and I'm reading now from the Wall Street Journal just for a second. It's been popular to proclaim that climate change is the top threat to Americans' national security. China and their Communist Party by far the world's top emitter of greenhouse gases, has taken note. This American delusion that climate change is our top threat in America has turned into a major source of strategic leverage for Beijing. And the foreign minister of China made it very clear to John Kerry, our climate envoy, in an explicit lecture to him last week. Uh, The U.S. quoting, the U.S. side wants the climate change cooperation to be an oasis of China-U.S. relations, he said. But he insisted that China-U.S. cooperation on climate change cannot be divorced from the overall situation of China-U.S. relations, period, end of quote. What does this have to do with the great outdoors? It has everything to do with the great outdoors. For years, I have said that the Paris Climate Accord may be well-intentioned, but if China does not have to participate in the reduction of carbon, emissions, as the rest of the world does, it's a fool's errand because China is the largest emitter of pollution in the world. And they were given a a hall pass because they're a quote-unquote developing country. Well, I, I think most of us, with any sense at all, feel like, well, we saw the Olympics in China. We've seen them a couple times now. But China really a developing country? It looks like a pretty progressive country to me, and I don't mean progressive politically. I mean progressive as far as their infrastructure. So we cannot achieve anything on a climate basis if China's not part of it. And China very smartly has just said, you know what? I don't think we're going to be part of it because we have some bigger issues, such as the South China Sea and Taiwan. So if you want us to to work on our emission standards and, and, and lower the amount of pollution that we're belching into the world, that's fine. We want something from you in return, like, like we want Taiwan. So 
So unfortunately, we have been put into a corner. Not a very smart move to put all our cards on the table and say that climate change is the top threat to America's national security. That's a direct quote from the Biden administration. And again, that's not a political statement. That's a statement the president of the United States made. And China said, great, if that's your top threat, we're happy to work with you on it. We would like Taiwan in exchange. So I think this is an example of where the climate discussion has to be a worldwide discussion. And we can't cut out exemptions for China because we think that they are a developing country. Their emissions from China, whether it contributes to global warming or climate change, I'm not even beginning to say that. All I'm saying is their emissions from China are now polluting the West Coast of the United States. The glaciers in Oregon and Washington pollute, covered with, with, with pollution. Pollution that's come from China because China, for the first time, America has a world-class pollution emitter, emitter to our West. And the air currents of the Earth go West to East. So we are the result of that pollution. So that is one of the interesting things when we talk about how we have to have all this climate things here in America. We forget if China's not on board with us, we, we really are, are doing so without the, the participation of the world's greatest emitter. Just a note there. I love the headline. China plays, China plays the climate card has us over a barrel. I'll be back in just a moment. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about uh, two things that are happening. One technology, landlocked public lands and mapping. And the other is I'm going to talk about what's called the other drought. You're listening to Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, the message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland. Chevrolet dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert. Sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are. Communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology. Tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you very much for joining me this morning. Whether you're tuning in after the break for the first time or have been with me, thank you for being with WGN. Uh, I'm going to talk about for a moment what's called the other drought. And the other drought could have, unfortunately, really devastating results to one of the major bird corridors, that being the Pacific Flyway this fall. So we, we've talked about the drought on the prairies. Uh, our drought in Illinois certainly has been broken. Uh, but the breeding grounds, for the most part, uh, had a really bad breeding season. The most important staging marshes left 
in the western part of the United States are the Klamath Basin and Tool Lake, which are up on the California-Oregon border, and the Great Salt Lake, which I talked about a moment ago. The Pacific Flyway, those three areas stage something like 90% of the water birds and waterfowl that fly south down the Pacific Flyway and ultimately go into Central California and on into Mexico. Well, we know that California's got historic drought. The Central Valley of California is very dry. Projections right now are there's going to be extremely limited habitat, wintering habitat for those birds. But they recharge their fuel, they feed, they rest in the Klamath Basin, Tool Lake, and the Great Salt Lake. Great Salt Lake has water, but half of what it usually has. Klamath Basin and Tool Lake, they're literally dry. Tens of thousands of acres of marsh gone, dry. Not in anyone's memory have we had the trifecta of the three most important migratory routes for birds dry or, or virtually dry. So the profound the impact could be profound, and it makes us think about just how much the Western landscape has changed, something in the Midwest and South or wherever you may be listening this morning, we don't think about a lot. One of the most important migratory bird, and this is for waterfowl, shorebirds, places on Earth, was a place called Lake Owen. You've probably never heard of Lake Owen. This because Lake Owen has been drained and farmed. It's gone. It doesn't exist anymore. Lake Owen was the casualty of water projects a long time ago that provided water to Southern California and one of the most prolific staging marshes on, in the whole world now is, is gone and has been for about the last 80 years. The Klamath Basin and Tool Lake were like a Lake Owen. And because of their water being sucked out for agriculture and for other uses, they have been drawn down continuously, but they had water, even though a, a small remnant of what their natural state was. Well, then we have this historic drought and they have no water. And the little bit of water that was there, this is going to sound strange, but it was necessary. The little bit of water that was there has been pumped out to make it totally dry so we don't have botulism outbreaks. Botulism is a disease that, that birds get through uh, the soil. When, when marshes dry out and the, and the soil warms up, it carries a bacteria and it's, it's 100% lethal for, any, for, for birds. And outbreaks can kill tens of thousands of birds at a time. And it's just, it's just awful the way they suffer. So they have drained what little bit was left of these two lakes so the birds won't even stop there. So they're going to come out of Canada. They're going to come out of Alaska. They're going to come out of the Arctic. And they're going to come their way south. And they're going to hit this historic staging area. And there's nothing there. They're going to keep going and they're going to fly into the Central Flyway in the, in the Central Valley of California and they're going to find there's very little there. This is a real problem. We, we could have a, and birds have wings, so you can say, well, they'll move. All right. Well, the Great Salt Lake is not the panacea it was. So experts on the Pacific Flyway this fall are sincerely concerned about the flyway's ability to sustain the birds that come off the breeding grounds. And if it can't sustain the birds that come off the breeding grounds, the population going back ne north next year is going to be severely impacted. So that's the other drought. Doesn't make much news, but it is the Pacific Flyway is, is one of the most important flyways on Earth. 
to migratory birds, and and it is really in trouble. Uh, with the couple of minutes I have left, I, I'm going to talk about what I think is a very happy story, and that is the unlocking of public lands due to GPS and mapping and Google Earth. And and this fall, and if you, for those of you who use public lands a lot, you know there are a number of websites uh, or apps you can go on. Onyx being being one of them, one that I happen to use. Not endorsing it, I just happen to use it because it's convenient. And it tells you where all the public lands are, the private lands, and how to get there. Well, this has been incredibly important to opening up areas of Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, in particular in the Midwest, and then across the West where there's so much public land, so that individuals can access lands that theoretically, not theoretically, they actually belong to us, but we've had no access to them because you had to go through what was perceived to be private lands in a lot of cases to get there. Well, it turns out that a lot of that land actually wasn't private land, but because it was not known that that was an access route for public land, a, a landowner put up a gate or a fence and, and barred access. So the new, the new mapping systems and the new, the new apps, which are pretty darn accurate, enable you, whether you're hiking, or you are a climber, or whether you're hunting or fishing, enable you to access land that you, frankly, should have been able to access all along, but you didn't know how because the, the precision of mapping told you that either there was no access, it didn't have the roads or trails, or it was blocked with a no trespassing sign or private property sign, which, in fact, was actually in the wrong place. So in the coming years, we're going to see a continuation of this. Of course, on the other shoe is landowners who have not been accustomed to having the public access properties now find that they have their land they thought was private or blocked access to public lands. Now individuals are coming through and that's created lots of conflicts. There, there's some very famous fishing places, uh, in the Midwest, the upper Midwest in particular that have seen lakes that were private lakes now become public lakes uh, because of a culvert across the road, and that was deemed to be a public access and things like that. So um, it's, there is a little bit of a double-edged sword here. The most important thing is no matter what property you're on, private or public, respect the property and respect other people's property rights. I'll be back next week, and when I am, it'll be from Alaska. Thank you for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voices Chicago and America, 720 WGN.